the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with all of you in this first week of Advent. And as always, we'd like to begin our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Also, when we pray that beautiful prayer at the, re- at the end, the rosary, the Hail Holy Queen, we also invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's invite Mary to be with us on this memorial of St. Ambrose, who's a doctor of the church, as Mary Jo has already posted. Let's turn to Mary's seat of wisdom, that through the intersection of St. Ambrose and the other great teachers in the church, that we would be filled with wisdom and be able to transmit that wisdom, wisdom to others. As we pray the prayer that Mary loves most, and that is the Hail Mary, together. Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's lift our gaze to our spiritual director, Let's ask our spiritual director to help us. And our spiritual director is the, is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many titles. Holy Spirit is the paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is known as the sweet guest of the soul. Holy Spirit is also known as our consoler. Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor. Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master, our interior master. St. Paul in his letter to the Romans says, we really don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans, so we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. Let's beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light. As well as to give us the interior fire to burn in the depths of our hearts. As we, as we pray classical prayer to the Holy Spirit. Together, 
Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful. And enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit and may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation for the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ambrose, pray for us. St. Nasha Leola, pray for us. St. Francis Xavier, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina, Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. It's true, my friends, the family that prays together stays together. And a world at prayer is a world at peace. So after praying with you, I promise to pray for you. So praying with you, as well as praying for you. So I'd like to place on the altar... of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, various intentions. And of course, the greatest of all prayers is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to place on the altar these various intentions. First will be to pray that all of us would be open to the workings and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this can be our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. My second intention will be I'd like to pray in a special way for our families. 
that our families in this season of Advent would be converted to the love of God. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said very clearly, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? What does it profit if we gain the whole world and we lose our soul in the process? It's not worth it. So pray for our family members that are have chosen the wrong path, that they would come back. Then I'd like to pray in a special way for this group of people, for those who are dying now. That's right, those who are dying now. That they would turn to God and be saved. It's always a good practice if we're with those who are in their last hours to Pray, pray for them, especially pray the rosary, but also to pray the chaplet of divine mercy for the dying. The Lord promises that if we're praying the chaplet of divine mercy for the dying, that some mysterious way he'll intervene to help this individual to make it, to be saved. So those are our intentions <coughs> that I'd like to place on the altar in the holy sacrifice of the Mass this day. Let's always pray for each other mutually that we'll be able to love God more and more all the days of our lives. So before getting into the saint we celebrate today, St. Ambrose, the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 26, Psalm 118 and Matthew chapter 7. We have a lot to cover today as always. I'd like to just address a pastoral moral problem in which I think there's a lot of confusion. And it's this. I'll start off with the biblical passage. And then I'd like to just address this moral problem which is a... uh, which is the following. Okay. Jesus said, I've not come to bring peace, but division. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, father-in-law against son-in-law. You know that passage. It's a, it's a powerful passage where Jesus says that I've come to bring division. So if we're standing up if we're standing up for the truth, and we have to stand up for the truth, we have to come to terms with the fact that we will at, at times encounter encounter difficulties as well as disagreements. And one of the most, one, one of the very common happenings today is the following. And you've probably already experienced it. And there are many different opinions on on how to react to this. And it's the following. Okay, you have a nephew who's, say he's 28 years old, 
And he was brought up and raised as a Catholic, has baptism, communion, confirmation, all the sacraments. And he is uh, decides to have a civil marriage with a woman who's about his age and is a Catholic. And they're just going to have a they're just going to have a uh, garden wedding and then a big party afterward. All right, there's just so many opinions. What do you do? You don't want to hurt their feelings and this and that, and there's going to be causing some rift in the family. Uh, I, I would say this. You know, what I'm going to say is countercultural, and not all people agree with me on this, but I think I have to say this to you because part of our Perseverance family conversation is forming our conscience, forming our moral compass, getting to know what's right and to do it and wrong to avoid it. Whatever I would do, if I were you, would to maybe even seek your nephew out, ask to talk with him privately. And I would say this, look, you're my nephew and you're even my godson. Maybe you're, maybe you're the godfather to this, this individual. See, I, you know, I, I'm your godfather and, um, I love you very much. Of course, your mother's my sister. And I'll be praying for you. But, look, get married in the church. Talk with the priest. Bring in the documentation. Do the, do the preparations. Don't worry about the party. Don't place, don't place the social above the sacramental. Just get married in the church. And God will bless you very much. And even if you want, okay, I'll chip in a couple, I'll chip in a couple hundred bucks for your, for your reception afterward. I'll help you even in that, in that respect. But Tom, I'm your godfather. In conscience, I cannot be going to a civil marriage because you're not going to be married in the church. You're going to be living together. You're going to be committing serious sin. I cannot go. Because if I were to go to this civil wedding, I'm tacitly approving and condoning your living together with this girl without having the sacrament of matrimony. And tell them, I'm doing this out of love for you, love for your family, and care especially for the salvation of your soul. Because by you choosing to do this, to be married civilly, start to live with this woman, without having the blessing of holy matrimony, you're choosing a sinful lifestyle, and you're placing in jeopardy the salvation of your soul. And in a certain sense, you're, plus, you're playing Russian roulette with the salvation of your soul because we, as Jesus teaches us, we don't know the day nor the hour. He will come like a thief in the night. 
It'll be like in the day of Noah when people are eating and drinking and partying. So, if you approach it in that way and you sit down and you talk with him in a very intelligent way, I mean, I think you've got, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Who knows? Maybe he's, he's humble and docile enough to follow your advice. Even though his parents should have probably been the first ones to say, look, you, you know, get married civilly, but get married in the church. I'm bringing this topic up to the Perseverance family, to all of you, because it's a, it's a fairly common experience that I confront um, being involved in a very busy pastoral situation. So now and then in our talks, I'll bring up certain moral problems so that they'll be, I'll clarify them for you. Now, not all agree with me on this, but I hold to my guns. For the simple reason that if your your nephew, your godson, is just going to have a civil wedding, have a gar- have a garden wedding, and then a big party afterward, he's not married in the church, and he'll he'll be living with this girl in not only a state of fornication but permanent fornication. Now it could be that he that he blows you off and says, well. It's my decision. I'm an adult and I'm going to do what I want. But at least, at least you had the courage, at least you had the courage to tell him the truth. At least you had the courage to tell him the truth. And once you've done that, you've done your part. Now, let's follow up on this a little bit more. Could happen, could happen that he goes and he tells his parents that you're not going. And his parents are maybe a liberal Catholics or not even practicing Catholics. There could be a backlash. There could be a backlash where you are, his parents um, become angry at you. And even start to attack you verbally, saying, well, you go to church. You pray the rosary. You make novenas. You make, you've done the exercise. And then your, your sister and brother-in-law starts to attack you. Well, that could happen. That could happen. But you've got to be firm. I say either we are people pleasers or God pleasers. Maybe Sophie can post that one. Either we are people pleasers or God pleasers. We're not here to please people. We're here to please God. 
And you have to stop and ask, what does God think about this? What does God think about this? It's not an easy situation because it's like throwing a rock at a hornet's nest and it could be that it's going to cause division. But that's what Jesus said. That's why I quoted that passage ten minutes ago. Jesus said, I've not, Jesus said, I've not come to bring peace, but rather division. Father against son, son against father. Mother against daughter, daughter against mother. And that's what Jesus was referring to. We have to stand up for the truth. Because the truth will set us free. So, thank you, Sophie, for writing that in for us. Either we are people pleasers or we're God pleasers. So we have to do all within our possibility to do what is pleasing to God. And to follow, in a certain sense, follow in the footsteps of the saints. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example to motivate us because we're not, we're not here to, we're not here just to please, please people to be, to win uh, a popularity contest. One of my favorite examples of standing up for the truth as such is the, he was the, the chancellor of England, his name was Sir Thomas More. Sir Thomas More. Sir Thomas More was confronted with a situation like what I'm talking about. He was the second most powerful person in England. The king at that time, his name was Henry VIII. Henry VIII had no children with Catherine of Aragon. King Henry they fell in love with another woman, younger, more beautiful woman, whose name was Anne Boleyn. And he decided that he would take Anne Boleyn and discard his wife. And he wanted the Pope as well as Thomas More to approve and accept of his new living situation, which we call adultery. Henry VIII forced his new situation upon all the people in England and almost all signed a document accepting Henry VIII's new living condition. But Thomas More would not. And as a result of that, he was arrested. He was incarcerated in the Tower of London for about a year. The king tried to coax him to accept his new living condition. Thomas More would not capitulate or give in. And eventually Thomas More, as well as John Fisher, Thomas More would eventually be decapitated. Because Thomas More, Thomas More decided to do God's will rather than the will of man. He was not a people pleaser but he was rather a God-pleaser. And if, if you like a parallel to that, a parallel to that would be 
the great Saint John the Baptist. Like Thomas More, John the Baptist denounced the illicit, adulterous, incestuous living condition of of the king whose name was King Herod. Like Thomas More, John the Baptist was thrown in prison. And like Thomas More, John the Baptist was beheaded in the context of the birthday party of King Herod. So I really felt that it was incumbent upon me to just to mention that that moral that moral problem which is becoming more and more common today is second marriages, adulterous conditions, people living together. Uh, we have to accept God's will. The only, so that it's clear to all of you, the only, the only situation that's pleasing to God is the sacrament of holy matrimony. The sacrament. It's a sacrament, which means it's instituted by Christ to confer grace. And the only living condition is the sacrament of holy matrimony which a man and a woman, okay, a man and a woman, they get married, they get married with the sacrament of holy matrimony, presided over usually by a priest, sometimes a bishop, sometimes a deacon, and the both of them, they promise faithfulness to each other as they give the ring. As they're given the ring, they say, I promise to be faithful to you in good times as well as bad. Health as well as sickness. Richness as well as poverty. Until death do we part. So, uh, in our Perseverance family, I'm I'm glad we're able to talk about this. I'm glad we're able to talk about this. Uh, because uh, being in a very, very busy pastoral situation, this this is a very common phenomenon. And if you have, many of you have parent, uh, relative, uh, sons or daughters, it gets coming upon you to tell them, when you do decide to get married, you have to get married in the church. You might even be teaching your children and teenagers right now because they're living in a society where living together is becoming almost the norm. How things have changed. When I was a child, I don't remember any couples living together without the sacrament of holy matrimony if they're Catholics. Nor do I remember Catholics missing Mass on Sunday. But we've we've moved into what is called a neo-paganistic world. Neo-paganism. We are moving into a neo-paganistic world. And that's a world in which God is pushed aside. 
and I mentioned in giving talks at Advent preparing for Christmas, one of the biggest biggest challenges in this season is to be absorbed in materialism. To be absorbed in materialism. What is materialism? We we place the material above the spiritual. We place the temporal above the eternal. We place the world above God. That's called materialism. The three enemies of the spiritual life, the devil, the flesh, and the world. The world becomes our God. So thank you for for giving me a few minutes to expound upon that moral issue of young people starting to live together and the fact that we cannot go to their celebration thereby condoning it by our presence. So let's uh, <coughs> let's move into an individual who is very, very strong in living out the truth. And the name of this saint we celebrate today, his name is Saint Ambrose. And we'll see how Saint Ambrose really lived out the, the gospel today. Where Jesus speaks about the house built on rock. The house built on rock. Saint Ambrose. St. Ambrose, he lived in the 4th century from about 340 to 397. He was uh, born in Germany. His father had a very high-ranking position in the army. And Ambrose had a place in the political realm. He was in Milan and he was preparing to become a Catholic. He was uh, a catechumen. There was a lot of confusion in Milan. The bishop died and this was extraordinary that the people, the bishop died and the people of Milan, aware of the great talents and the justice and the honesty of Ambrose, they proclaim, we want Ambrose to be our bishop. So Ambrose was baptized, confirmed, made his first communion, and then he was consecrated a bishop all within a matter of a couple of months. This is usually not the normal way of doing things, but our God is a mysterious God. Our God is a mysterious God. There are many great accomplishments of St. Ambrose. And I'll mention some of them. First, is that Ambrose was an intellectual he was a great orator, a great preacher, as well as a great writer. But he was a saint. 
And Ambrose had to fight against one of the most prevalent and dangerous heresies back then. And that that heresy was that of Arianism. Arius was a <coughs> he was a bishop <coughs> who uh, preached that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God, <coughs> denying the divinity of Christ. Somewhat like the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons, denying the divinity of Christ. Now, my friends, this is a this is a doctrinal issue now. But we, as followers of Christ, we have to have clarity. Who Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man. That's probably the best short definition you can have. Jesus Christ, He's the Son of God made man. So if we deny the Incarnation, we, do, we deny the Trinity, we deny the divinity of Christ, then we're no longer Catholics. We're not even Christians. So the Rock Foundation, and that's the Gospel today, Jesus speaks about the Rock. The Rock Foundation, the Rock Foundation of our Christian Catholic faith, the rock foundation of our Christian Catholic faith is the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man. That's right. Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man. So that's the first. Now, Maria Christina has anticipated what I was about to say, so thank you, Maria Christina. And she's pointed out that, that, that Ambrose, yes, he was the instrument of conversion of the great St. Augustine. Thank you for posting that and what you can do is you can find all of this referring to the relationship between Ambrose and St. Augustine you can read this in one of the greatest spiritual classics ever written one of the greatest spiritual classics ever written is it's called the Confessions. It's the, I think they say it's the first autobiography ever written, and one of the greatest. Now, what is what is the, the what is the book Confessions? It's Saint Augustine, after his conversion, steps back, and he's writing his life story. He's writing his life story, and he's writing how his conversion eventually came about. 
there were various factors in the conversion of St. Augustine. So if you read through the confessions, the first, I would say, the first quarter of the book is what is leading up to the conversion of St. Augustine. Now these would be the factors. The St. Augustine was living a pagan life. St. Augustine uh, did not have a good father. His father, Patricius, eventually would be converted. But his father did not give him a good example. So St. Augustine, as a young man, he basically gave in to his lower passions, his instincts. He allowed the flesh to dominate him. So the capital sins, St. Augustine, basically he became, he became a slave to his lower passions, to his sexual cravings and instincts such that he started to even live together, referring to the earlier part of our conversation today, he was living together with a woman. Confessions never mentions the name of the woman, but he lived, he had a concubine. He had a concubine. And this concubine actually they had a son together whose name was Adeodatus, which means gift of God. Augustine knew in his heart of hearts that he had to give up this lifestyle. That at this point his life was built on sand and not built on the rock that Jesus speaks about. His life was built on the sand of his own passions. And not on, not on the rock. St. Paul says that Christ is the rock. He was a slave. In one occasion he even made this prayer. Lord, Lord, grant me chastity, but not yet. He knew that he had acquired the virtue of chastity, but he was not willing to make that final step. And what happened was he gravitated from Rome and from Rome to Milan. And there in Milan, Augustine was teaching rhetoric. His mother was there. His father was already converted. Augustine would sometimes go to the church and listen to the preaching of St. Ambrose. And he's very impressed, not simply by the preaching of Ambrose, but the fact that he was a he was a father figure that he never had before. Ambrose was he was a a man that just inspired Augustine because of the whole the whole person that Ambrose was. Ambrose was masculine. Ambrose was strong. Ambrose was intellectual. 
Ambrose was valiant. Ambrose would challenge the emperor. He said the emperor is not above the church, but in the church. Ambrose was courageous. Especially Ambrose was a true father figure. But above and all, above all this, Ambrose was a true man of, man of God. He was a saint. And Augustine picked this up. So we had conversations with Ambrose. He listened to his sermons. And he was attracted by the, by the holiness of this man. At the same time, at the same time that he was in contact with St. Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan, there was another positive influence. It seems like a triangle of connection, a triangle of connection to arrive at the eventual conversion of Augustine. We'd have to say this, that it was the presence also of the mother of St. Augustine. And the mother of St. Augustine, her name was St. Monica. And if you read through the Confessions, there's a very moving page. A very moving page in the Confessions. Where Monica apparently is weeping. She's weeping. In the presence of Augustine. And he says, A woman of so many tears, her tears will be heard. Basically saying that, basically saying that Augustine one day would be, would be, would be converted. Her prayers, her sacrifices, her sufferings, they would be here, they would be heard. And the day arrived. It's a beautiful story, but we see that we see the influence of Monica, but also we see the the powerful influence of Saint Ambrose in the life and conversion of Saint Augustine, who will go on to become one of the greatest preachers, teachers, writers in the Catholic Church. So it happens as such. Augustine is in a garden there in Milan. The garden in Milan. And he hears a voice, totally legit, totally legit, which is Latin for, he heard like a sing-song voice that said, totally legit, totally legit. Which means, take and read. So Augustine was in the garden, and he, there was a book there, and it was the, he opened the book and he and he alighted upon the passage of Romans chapter thirteen. 
Romans 13, 13. Which the Word of God says, the day is far spent. Do not give in to the flesh, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Augustine took that as a cue. Now is the day of salvation. Not to put off, not to put off his salvation, his conversion anymore. So that was the, that was the final mo, that was the final uh, moment of grace. In which Augustine knew that he had to break the shackles of sin, of his slavery to lust, and, and accept our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, he goes to his mother and he says that he's ready to be converted. Then he goes to Ambrose. But one other thing I'd like to say about the relationship, the conversation between Ambrose and Monica. One other thing. is this. Ambrose says this. This one liner I think is good for all of us. Because I think all of you have have relatives, possibly sons or daughters that have walked away from the walked away from God, walked away from the church. And they're not following the commandments. Ambrose said this. Maybe even Sophie can post this. Ambrose says to Monica, don't talk to Augustine about God, but talk to God about Augustine. I'll repeat. That's a great one-liner. So these are the words these are the words of Saint Ambrose giving advice to Saint Monica. He says to Saint Monica, do not anymore talk to Augustine about God, but rather talk to God about Augustine. Great advice. You probably have sons and daughters. You probably have sons and daughters that you've told to go to church, to go to confession, to get married in the church, to change their lives. And it goes in one ear and it goes out the other ear. ear. Right? goes in one ear and out the other ear. So you've already told them many times what they should do. They know it. So instead of the horizontal, choose the vertical. Right. 
You've got it, Sophie. St. Ambrose said, don't, to Monica, don't talk to Augustine about God, but God to Augustine. So good. And basically what Bob Ward is saying, yes, we have, we gotta pray. We gotta pray. And allow God's grace to descend upon the barren and the hard soil of the hearts of so many people today. So we see the influence upon one saint upon another. Here you have a, you have a tri, a tri, actually a triangle of saints. Because those three now, they're saints. St. Ambrose we celebrate today, December 7th. St. Augustine and St. Augustine we celebrate August 27th. And then we celebrate St. Monica. So we celebrate St. Monica and St. Augustine back to back. So the gospel today is the house built on rock. What does it mean to have this house built on rock? Beatrice is asked, what do we do we have a relative who has become sick and not got healed? Good question. First is we bring our sick people to God and then to the doctor. We do all in our possibility to utilize modern medical means to overcome health problems. And if it hasn't come about, then learn, Beatrice and all of us, learn to unite our sufferings to the cross. And then the, the cross is related to Calvary. Calvary is related to the holy sacrifice of the Mass. In other words, we as Catholics, we as Catholics... And St. Monica understood this very well. We as Catholics believe that suffering, it can be mental suffering, it can be emotional suffering, it can be physical suffering, it can be family suffering, it can be social suffering. There are many different forms of suffering. Suffering has value inasmuch as we accept our suffering, accept the cross, and unite it to the cross of Christ. This is called, this is actually called, my friends, it's called John Paul II wrote a document on it. Salvifici Dolores. That's one of the documents of John Paul II. Latin Salvifici Dolores, which means the salvific meaning of, of suffering. 
And St. Ambrose, my friends, recognized that Christ is the rock on which we want to build our life. We don't want to have our life built on sand. The storm comes and our our spiritual home collapses, but our house is built on rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. So St. Ambrose is one of the four father, Latin fathers of the church. The four Latin fathers of the church would be St. Jerome, St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, and St. Gregory the Great. Those are the four Latin fathers of the church. So my friends, we've had a very good conversation. I invite you to share our conversation with your friends. And as Bob Ward says, we've got beautiful artwork in my studio. Thank you very much. I invite you to share this with your friends. And may we be steeped in the teaching of the great fathers of the church, St. Jerome, St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, his spiritual son, and St. Gregory the Great. And I'd like to give you, my friends, my priestly blessing. Let's pray for each other mutually. The Lord, the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. Monica, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. St. Ambrose, pray for us. Amen.